Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer at HowStuffWorks, and I love all things tech. And recently, I did a live stream celebrating the 10th anniversary of Tech Stuff. I know I've been talking a lot about that, but to me, it's a really big deal to, to be the host of a show that's lasted 10 years. And we did some question-answer stuff on that episode, and some people were asking me about what it takes to start your own podcast. And so I've talked a little bit about that in previous episodes and kind of covered it in, in brief But today, I really want to dive into this concept. What does it take to make your own podcast? Let's say that maybe you are interested in launching your own show. What are the things that you need to think about? What are the steps you have to take? How much work is it to produce a show? And as it turns out, the answer to that question is variable on a lot of different factors. But the first thing I would say you have to do, the most important thing by far out of all the stuff you're going to have to do to make a show is to pick a topic or a subject, something that your podcast is about. If you want to do the podcast about nothing, you're going to find it incredibly challenging to stick to a schedule time and time again. It is just going to be tough. Plus, You want to have a good focus to give yourself direction for producing the show. You want to make sure that you are able to have a goal in sight. Not only that, but it also helps when you're categorizing your podcast. Because a lot of people find podcasts by going into their podcatching application of choice. Uh, Typically, uh, Apple Podcasts is the granddaddy of them. That's the biggest one out of all of the directories out there. But whether you're doing that or Stitcher or Spotify or Google Play or any of those things, chances are you're looking at things like categories because you know what your interests are and you want to look for podcasts that serve up your interests. That's true for audiences around the world. So if you are able to focus on your show and give it a subject that you are going to reliably be able to talk about week after week, That will allow you to categorize your show and make it easier for other people to find it because ultimately you want people to listen to your show. Otherwise, why are you going through the motions of doing it? You could just talk to friends about stuff without ever having to go through the trouble of recording and editing and publishing and sending it to podcast directories if that were the case. So presumably you want people to listen to it. So finding a focus, something you're passionate about already is really important. And I think being passionate is is incredibly uh, necessary so that you will not lose enthusiasm for the subject of whatever your podcast is. And it doesn't have to be a specific thing. Like, there are some great shows out there. My Brother, My Brother and Me, which I mentioned in a previous episode, is a fantastic comedy show where three brothers give terrible advice from questions that are sent in from the audience or culled from Yahoo Answers. And it's hilarious. It does have some structure and it does have a focus in that it is this kind of advice show for the modern era, as they say. Tech stuff, we focus on technology and its intersection with culture. The soundtrack show is all about soundtracks, movie music and television music and how that's changed and evolved and the influences that have gone into it. So, Picking your subject is, uh, 
is great, and being passionate about it is even better. You don't have to know everything about your subject. In fact, I would argue that for some podcasts, that makes the show even better, whether it's a serious show or a comedy show. If it's a comedy show, then the comedy can be in you not knowing about a, a lot about whatever the subject is and learning about it. But in a, a nonfiction or, or non-comedy show, it could be you learning things and then expressing that to your audience. That's very much what tech stuff is. I frequently, if I'm going into a, a subject, I might know a little bit about it, but I never know enough to do a 45-minute show about it. So tech stuff is really ultimately the documentation of me learning about something and then expressing what I've learned to you guys. I think that's where a lot of the value of tech stuff comes in. It's, it's the excitement I get from getting to learn something. So you don't have to have encyclopedic knowledge about your subject. I'm not suggesting that. If you do happen to have encyclopedic knowledge about something and not very many people are talking about it, you might be ideal for a brand new podcast. But yes, step one, pick your subject. Step two is kind of deciding how you want to talk about this, right? How you want to treat your subject, not just what it's going to be about, but what sort of format is your podcast going to be? Uh, how many hosts are going to be involved? Is it going to be a solo host show like Tech Stuff? Is it going to have multiple hosts and, and it'll be conversational in nature? Is it going to be an interview show where you're going to be recording interviews with various people? And if so, how are you going to do that? Because that's going to come into planning later on. Uh, also figuring out, is it going to be a nonfiction show? Is it a fiction show? Maybe you want to talk about horror, for example. And maybe you want to do a fiction show where you actually create either a fictional horror story or maybe you're talking about fictional horror movies. That is a very different thing than a nonfiction show where you're really taking a more, uh, uh, a more methodical approach to discussing the topic. Is it scripted? If it's scripted, that's going to add more time. You're going to have to write everything before you actually record but scripted ones can keep things nice and tight and really, again, focused on whatever the subject is. Or is it improvised? Is it something where you only have a vague idea of what you want to talk about and everything else just comes out during the recording process? Uh, that can be a lot of fun. It could also mean that you might have a lot of editing to do once you're done recording. You could do the interview approach, which again, uh, puts a lot of the pressure on the other person. You have to learn how to be a good interviewer, something that I'm still learning, honestly. I would not call myself a good interviewer at all. It's something that I, I'm working on, but it's still something that I'm new to. Or is it conversational? Do you have someone else sit down with you and you just break down a topic? That's the way tech stuff started. Chris Paulette and I would uh, do our research independently and sit down and have a conversation. Uh, all of these are, are different ways of treating your subject matter, but it is good to figure out which one you want to do before you get started. You might also want to give consideration to things like how long should an episode be? How, how, what are you shooting for? A lot of people like to aim for that 30 to 50 minute window. That's the way tech stuff used to be. Now it's closer to 25 to 35 minutes, but that tends to be pretty good for people who are on commutes. So it's a very uh, popular length that people aim for. And this also, it's important for two reasons. One, 
you need to figure out how long is it going to take you to give your subject matter the treatment it deserves per episode. Because uh, you want episodes to be long enough to really tackle something, whether it's comedy or, or nonfiction, whatever it may be. But also, it determines how much work you're going to have to do, both in pre-production and in post-production. Not, not only that, but also recording. I mean, obviously, the longer the episode is, the more time you're going to be spending speaking into a microphone. So unless you're just uploading as you record, in other words, you're doing no post-production editing at all, your shows are going to take some time to edit and publish. And the longer the show, obviously, the longer that process becomes. And it can be more than just linear, right? Recording a half-hour show and then editing it and then publishing it does not necessarily take uh, half the time of recording, writing, recording, and editing and publishing an hour-long show. It could actually take longer, especially depending if you're if you're not proficient in editing yet, if you're just starting out. Uh, longer shows are going to take you much longer to edit. So let's say, like, typically for me, I would say that it would take me about one and a half times as long to edit a show as it took to record the show. So for a half-hour show, it would take uh, three-quarters of an hour to edit it. But if it were an hour-long show, then it would take an hour and a half to edit it. Um, maybe. Maybe up to two hours, depending upon how complicated the show is. And of course, the more people you add to it, the more editing you may have to do. So the more complicated the show, the longer it's going to take you to produce an individual episode. And this is very important for you to think about early on. And the reason for that is every time you make a show a little more complicated or it's a little harder to prepare and then to do the uh, editing and publishing on, you have created a barrier between you and doing it again. Because <laughs> the harder it is, the the more you're going to feel disinclined to record and edit and publish the next one, even if you're really excited about the subject. So you want to be careful. You want to know your limitations. And you don't want to jump in saying, all right, it's going to be a four-host show. Episodes are going to be an hour and a half long. Uh, we're going to have a whole lot of soundscaping. We're going to have sound effects. We're going to have music. We're going to have transitions. Uh, we're going to have all this stuff. I'm going to add it all in post because you're talking about a process where by the end of it, you may be spending three or four hours per episode editing it before you ever publish it. And by the time it goes out, you're sick of it and you don't ever want to touch it again. So you want to be careful about this sort of stuff. That's not to say don't be ambitious. Uh, you certainly should try to be ambitious. And then finally, one other thing I think you should think about before you really get going is how frequently do you want to publish the show? Should it be a monthly show? Should it be weekly, bi-weekly? Maybe you publish multiple times a week. Maybe you're crazy and you're, you're publishing four new episodes of your show every week plus a rerun on Fridays. If you're insane, that might be what you're doing. I, I, I don't recommend starting out that way. But again, the more frequently you decide you want to publish, the more work you have created for yourself. And unless you are podcasting as a full-time gig, then you're doing this on your off time. And the less free time you're going to have for other stuff if you're doing it more frequently. I, I usually recommend to people to aim for maybe once a week, but it is also important to try and stick to a schedule once you've decided what it is. Uh, so once you've decided what you can reasonably do within any given amount of time, 
do your best to stick with that as best you can because it's a good way to gain an audience. If you are publishing haphazardly, then people don't know when your episodes come out and people are less inclined to to subscribe. So I highly recommend you figure out how frequently you want to publish and then you stick to that as best you can. If you start out and you find out that you were too ambitious, it's fine to scale back, especially early on, because people will get used to it once you've established the routine. But it is good to have that that timely, uh, predictable approach. So if you publish, if people know, hey, a new episode goes up by 6 p.m. every Wednesday, then people have something to look forward to. If you don't have that regular schedule, people never know when a new episode's going to be out and you'll start losing listeners. All right, that's just the beginning of some tips and, and tricks to starting your own podcast. We're going to talk more about this in just a second. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Okay, so let's assume you've picked out what you want to talk about. You know the subject of your podcast. Uh, let's say that you've you've picked a topic that a lot of people haven't really dove into in great detail. Because if you do pick something that has already got a lot of podcasts about it, then you also have to figure out how do you differentiate your show from all the other shows that already exist. That's really complicated too. Like with tech stuff, there are a lot of technology podcasts out there. There are a huge number. Some of them are very, very hyper-focused on a specific topic like uh, Android or Apple or things like that or video games. Uh, there are shows that are dedicated to news. So when we launched Tech Stuff, we wanted to make sure we were taking a different take on technology. We were really looking at not just how tech works, but how it interacts with us, how it shapes our culture and our society and how that changes over time, because that's really fascinating to me. And it goes beyond telling news, which is really useful. There are some great tech news podcasts out there, and they're entertaining, they're informative, and it really helps if you want to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of technology. But I knew that I could not do that better than uh, podcasts like This Week in Tech, or at the time, CNET's Buzz Out Loud, but today I would say things like, Daily Tech News Show, uh, those kind of shows. I knew I couldn't do it as well as as those guys do it. So I chose a different route for tech stuff. Same thing should be true for your show. If you're going into something that has a lot of uh, podcasts about that subject matter out there already, you need to figure out something that differentiates yours. Moving beyond those basics, like the idea of of structure and uh, subject matter and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about actual tech. What do you need? What stuff do you need in order to record a show? Well, you're going you're gonna to need a, a microphone. <laughs> That's a big one. Although I guess you could, if you really wanted to, use something as simple as a, a phone to record stuff, but the quality is going to be fairly low. Now, sound recording quality, you actually have a lot of leniency in this. You, there's, you don't have to have the best sounding quality uh, audio out there in order to do well in podcasting, although it helps. Um, if it's if it's really bad, it's distracting. If you've got a lot of hiss or hum, uh, if there's a lot of distortion in the voice, then that ends up being kind of a, a detractor from the quality of your show. So 
getting a decent microphone is not a bad idea. And by decent, I don't necessarily mean super expensive. I mean, you can go crazy if you've got the money and you want to have a killer audio recording setup. You can go and do it. But I don't think it's absolutely necessary to get a good sounding podcast out there. Uh, It is important for you to educate yourself about microphones. There are lots of different kinds. For example, you have dynamic versus condenser mics. Dynamic microphones tend to be directional. That means that you kind of have to speak into them pretty much dead on to get really good sound. They don't pick up sound from outside of a cone that kind of extends out from where the end of the microphone is. So you have to have it positioned in such a way that you're talking into it. Uh, They also tend to present a more warm tone, which you could describe as being a little less crisp than condenser mics. Condensers do tend to be very crisp. They create bright tones, but they are also really good at picking up a lot of ambient noise. That could be a pain. So if you've got a, a really good condenser microphone, it might pick up little sounds and and pick them up right into the recording, and it can be a real pain to, to get rid of those. I remember I used to use a condenser microphone for podcasts that I was doing back at my house, and those uh, you could hear the clicking of my dog's toenails as he ran across the floor. And he was in the other room, and that was, you know, I, I barely noticed it in the room while I was recording, but you could definitely hear it in the in the actual recorded audio. So you could use either type. It all depends upon your preferences, and it's not like it has to be a dynamic over a condenser. You can check out uh, reviews of both and decide which which version meets your needs more. And in fact, there are different reasons to use different ones. If you're doing a solo host show and the audio quality is really important to you, I would probably recommend a dynamic uh, microphone over a condenser. But if you wanted to do a group show and you didn't want to have a an audio track for each and every single person that was on that group show and you were all in the same physical place when you're recording, one condenser mic that's located in the center of all of you might be perfect because you'll pick up everyone's conversation. It'll be much more like the listener was present during that conversation. Uh, however, you have to also make sure that everyone's speaking at a pretty typical level, like like similar level of volume, because you're not going to be able to adjust individual tracks of volume. Everyone will be recorded on a single track in that case. So if you've got one loud friend and one quiet friend, that ends up creating this weird dynamic within the audio recording and listeners might find it off-putting because they may feel they have to turn the volume up whenever your quiet friend is talking, but then when your loud friend starts talking, they suddenly have their eardrums blasted out. So it's a delicate balance. That's a lot more easy to handle if every single person has his or her own audio track within a recording, which you would do with individual microphones uh, or, or recorded tracks that are coming in. You can then adjust individual levels of volume in post if you have to. So that's easier to do if everyone has their own. You also have to figure out, do you use an XLR microphone or a USB microphone? And this this involves the cable, right? The way the microphones plug into other, other stuff. XLR mics typically require an additional power supply, and they have a cable that plugs into stuff like external audio interfaces rather than directly into computers. They did make some sound cards that could accept XLR cables, but... Uh, those technologies change pretty frequently. It's much better, I think, in my mind, to get an external audio interface. That's what we use here at How Stuff Works. We have an external audio interface. The microphones plug into that, 
And then that in turn plugs into the computers that we use to record the audio. Uh, these are the devices that will supply power to the microphone. Uh, you can also find XLR to USB adapters. So you can find an adapter that plugs into a computer's USB port. And then on the other end, it's the female end of an XLR connector. However, computers, depending upon the microphone, computers might not provide enough power to get a good quality signal out of the mic. So you can record, but the quality of audio is going to be maybe substandard compared to if you had plugged your microphone into an audio interface instead and then connected the audio interface to a computer. USB microphones are way more simple because as the name suggests, you just plug the USB microphone directly into a USB port using a standard USB cable. So uh, some microphones actually have both options. The mic I have at home is an Audio-Technica 2100 USB XLR microphone. I bought that microphone with my own money. Audio-Technica is not a sponsor. They have nothing to do with this show. I just wanted to give you the actual model I use. I like that microphone a lot. It's really versatile because I can use it as an XLR mic if I want to, or I can use it as a USB mic. It's a a pretty good budget microphone. It's not very expensive. It's less than $100 if you hunt around for it. It's an older microphone. It doesn't have all the features that newer mics have, but I find that it's a, a really useful dynamic microphone. And uh, I think it sounds great in the USB mode. It, it sounds better as an XLR microphone, but I think it sounds just fine as USB. Mics that tend to get really good reviews among podcasters include things like the Shure SM7B Dynamic Mic. Shure is spelled S-H-U-R-E. The Heil PR40 Dynamic Mic, that's H-E-I-L. The Keys Studio Series SL300 USB Condenser Mic, if you prefer a condenser. Or Blue. Blue makes some really good USB microphones, including the Yeti. The Yeti has been like a standard for podcasters. It's also incredibly portable. You just you have your computer and a Yeti microphone and a USB cable. You're good to go. Uh, the Blue Snowball microphones also incredibly portable and easy. We have one here at the office. We use that whenever we're talking with someone over Skype or something like that. There are tons of other options out there, and there are no shortage of review sites if you want to take a look into this and find out which one is ideal for your needs. Um But again, if you want to record a lot of people at once, just keep in mind, that means you're either going to need a setup that's capable of supporting multiple microphones so that each person has his or her own microphone and thus their own audio track in whatever recording software you're using. Again, that'll make things easier if you need to adjust individual levels dynamically throughout a podcast. But it also makes it, you know, more complex. You've got more actual audio tracks to deal with in a single recording Or you could go with a condenser mic and record everybody in one swell foop, as a friend of mine would say. But then uh, you can't do that that individual adjustment of audio tracks. Uh, Everyone will be mixed together in a single vocal track. Unless you're recording from uh, other sources as well. Like if you're doing a podcast where you are not sitting across from the person that's on the show with you. Maybe you're using something like Skype or Google Hangouts or some other uh, voiceover internet protocol system, and you're using a program to record their version of it, uh, or so you're either recording the whole call and you're using that as your audio, or maybe you're natively recording your track, you're recording their, their uh, call, 
over the internet, and then you mix the two together, that's another way that you could possibly go about actually including all these different audio tracks um, and and individually adjusting all the levels within that. That's something else you could do. I've done that before. It's actually a little tricky because you have to sync up the individual uh, audio tracks so that they match up properly. Otherwise, you'll have one person asking a question while the other person has already answered it because the tracks aren't lining up. Uh, But it is possible to do. I have a little bit more I want to talk about with the stuff you need if you want to launch a podcast. But before I jump into that, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsor. All right, so you figured out what microphone you want. You also need to figure out what sort of recording software and editing software you want to use. Uh, This is what you're going to use to actually record those tracks and then manipulate them afterward in case you want to do stuff like take out mistakes or put in elements like music or sound effects. Maybe you create a standard opener and closer that you want to include with every episode and you don't want to have to record it every single time. So you record it once and then you create a template so that you can just plug that right into your your podcast. These are all things that are pretty standard in podcasts. Uh, And they can be tricky to learn at first, but all it really takes is some time and effort to learn a software package. And there's lots of different options out there, including a lot of really good free ones. So, for example, Audacity is a free tool. You can just download it. Use it right out of the right off the download and use it to edit tracks like crazy. It's got tons of built-in tools. You can record into it. So it's not just an editing software suite. You can just record directly into Audacity. Uh, you can, once you've done editing it, you know, you can export things into different file formats. It's got tons of different effects and filters that you can add to a recording to, to change the the quality and the effect of that sound. You can do stuff like, uh, this is pretty standard among all editing software. You can do something where you record what is called room tone. Room tone is just the baseline recorded sound that your microphone is picking up or even generating without you saying anything into it. So uh, here at How Stuff Works, before I start talking, we record several seconds of room tone because that creates this this baseline signal that then we can scan and use to remove that from the rest of the episode so that if there is a hiss or a hum maybe there's a whirring noise something that is low level it's not it's not going to be able to take out all noise that's generated in the background but anything like that it can pull that out of the finished recording and you have a much nicer cleaner sound most of these software editing programs I'm going to talk about can do that, but definitely Audacity. I know because I use it. Uh, Audacity is what I have used at home in my personal projects. Um, I use Audition here at the office, but that is not a free (laughs) tool. So if you're really wanting to get into some serious audio editing, then maybe something like Audition is right for you. But Audacity is free. There's other ones. There's Ocenaudio, uh, O-C-E-N-A-U-D-I-O. It's slightly less intimidating than Audacity is. Uh, There are fewer bells and whistles, but still incredibly useful. And that is a, a useful editing software suite. There is a program by DVD Video Soft called Free Audio Editor. 
It's important for you to know it's from DVD VideoSoft because there's actually quite a few programs out there called Free Audio Editor. So you, the one that I recommend is from DVD VideoSoft. It's also pretty easy to use, but there are lots of others. So you can do some research, find out things that are uh, that look like you could spend some time to learn how to really navigate it. And the more you use this stuff, the easier it's going to become. Uh, at first, when you're using it, you're going to be doing everything pretty much the hard way, unless you just happen to have someone teaching you all the shortcuts right out of the gate. But as you get better, you start to learn shortcuts, you start to learn what is and isn't important. You learn quick ways to do things like mute a track. Let's say that you're recording an interview with someone over Skype, and at some point you made a noise into the microphone, and the person on the other end didn't stop. They kept on going. Everything was cool. But you don't want that noise to go into the final recording. You can learn things like how to mute that little noise so that it never shows up and the audience is none the wiser. Stuff like that. These are all things that these editing software suites can easily do. And a lot of them can also take in plugins that can even increase the functionality of the editing software suite. So it can be a little intimidating if you've never used it before, but it's stuff that if you just take some time it really is uh, not that hard. And I say that as someone who has done this myself. I do not consider myself an audio engineer by any stretch of the imagination, which is intimidating because pretty soon I'll be acting as one. But anyway, it is possible to learn how to do these, even if you are someone like me, someone who feels that it's a little outside of your, your wheelhouse. Um once you've got all that down, you've got the, you know how the software works, you know how to edit a show, you've edited your first episode, you feel good about it, you've taken out all the ums and uhs, which took you an incredibly long time and you should not do that because again, every time you start adding things that you need to do for every episode, you're increasing the amount of time it takes to produce one, which decreases your incentive to make another one. So don't go over overboard with editing, but you've done all this stuff. You've put in music, you put in sound effects, whatever you might've done. Now you need to figure out how to get this out to the world. Uh, that would involve getting a hosting service. Uh, you could host files on a website that you are operating. Let's say that you go and you, you register a domain and you've got a website, you're using some sort of web hosting service, maybe it's WordPress or something along those lines, and you're storing files directly on there. You could do that, but most often if you start having a lot of people downloading stuff, let's say that your podcast gets incredibly popular, you're going to find issues with your host if, if there's a lot of traffic going to your site. So most podcasters will use a podcast hosting service, which typically costs a certain amount of money per month. And the amount depends upon which provider you go with and what options you choose. So some popular uh, podcast hosting services include stuff like Libsyn, podcast website, Podbean, Spreaker, that kind of stuff. They tend to have hosting fees. And those fees, like I said, are dependent upon typically how much material you're uploading per month. So there might be a limit saying, like, we will allow you to upload this many megs of audio per month. Uh, some of them might have a limit on how many, how much uh, information can be downloaded per month. So you want to pay attention to that. But there are a lot of options out there. And a lot of them also have unlimited options for pretty reasonable amounts. 
like 10 bucks a month or something like that. And for that, you can upload your podcasts to the service. They will host them. Whenever anyone downloads a show, ultimately it's coming from that source on the internet. All the podcast directories out there like Apple Podcasts or Google Play, ultimately all they are doing is pointing you toward that RSS feed that exists generated by whatever the the podcast hosting service you used uh, happens to be. So once you've got your podcast hosting service, the next step is actually getting listed on various podcast directories like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or TuneIn or Spotify. And one thing I recommend you do is once you've uh, created your podcast on one of these podcast hosting services, typically you have to fill out a whole bunch of information the first time you do this, uh, all about your show. Once you do it once, you're pretty much good. But it's important because these different directories will pull information from your RSS feed to populate their directory. And without that information, you may not get listed in those directories. Like Apple Podcasts in particular, if there's information missing, you'll get an error message if you submit it to Apple and it'll say, no, I'm sorry, you don't have these fields filled in. You got to fix that. So most of these podcast hosting services have that stuff built into their system and you just have to take the time to fill it all out. Once you do that, you could use a tool like castfeedvalidator.com which will look at your RSS feed. You just feed in the URL to your RSS feed into the service and it will tell you if you have fulfilled the requirements for various types of podcast directories. And then you need to submit to the actual directories. Some podcast hosting services make this easy, like Libsyn. If you wanted to submit directly to Google Play, there's a way of doing that from Libsyn's dashboard. So once you create your show, you can use the dashboard to submit it to Google Play and it takes care of the rest. Others, like Apple Podcasts, typically you have to actually create uh, an Apple login. You have to go to iTunes, go into the podcast area, and you have to submit your podcast through there. Um, and again, you submit it by copying a, the RSS URL, pasting it into Apple Podcasts, and then within a few days... Apple will review your submission and tell you whether or not you've been accepted into the podcast directory. Uh, I really recommend that if you if you only have to pick one podcast directory out there, if you just you don't have it in you to do this for the various uh, outlets that are there, definitely go with Apple Podcasts because it is by far the most popular way to get podcasts in general. Oddly enough, not for tech stuff. Tech stuff, the best numbers tend to come from outside of Apple Podcasts. But for most podcasts, uh, Apple is the way to go. With us, it's through all the other means are actually more popular once you look at it. Things like Android, you know, using Google Play or Stitcher or Spotify or something like that. But uh, most of the time, Apple Podcasts is the way to go. When you do this, by the way, you'll also have to do things like uh, create good album art so that people can see it when they are browsing through the different shows. You want something that's really eye-catching and uh, uh, engaging, that the the album art represents the show well and is fun and, and attractive, so that people want to find out what the heck is this show that's connected to this logo. Uh, same thing with the name. You want the name of your show to be really catchy. 
and ideally somewhat related to whatever the show is about so that people kind of have an idea of what they're getting into. Uh, it also doesn't hurt to record what we call trailer episodes, which are just a, like a minute and a half or two minute long episode that gives a quick rundown on what the show is all about. This tends to be called like an episode zero or a preview episode so that people can just record the uh, a rundown giving listeners an idea of what to expect if they start to listen to or subscribe to a show. And that is, in a nutshell, my guide to getting started with podcasting. Now, there's a whole lot more we could talk about. There's more advanced stuff that you have to start looking into. Uh, for example, it's a good idea to launch a companion website to support a podcast, uh, especially if you want to do stuff like show notes or links Maybe you want to do merchandise. That's another issue entirely. There's the whole monetization process. That's also very involved. But all of that is, is further down the line. It's not something you really need to focus on when you're first getting started. When you first get started, unless you just happen to be lightning in a bottle, it's going to be a very slow ramping up process. Uh, it might even be distressingly slow at first. You might be one of those people who say, the only person I know who is downloading my show is my mom, and she doesn't even know how to listen to it. I just know she's downloading it. That can happen, but don't get discouraged. Uh, if nothing else, just the process of recording and editing and publishing the show will give you a lot of valuable experience. And maybe it means that you know, the podcast you launch doesn't really take off, but maybe the next one will. So it's, it's good to develop these skills. And uh, again, that's just one possible outcome. It may be that you're lightning in a bottle. And next thing you know, I'm going to be begging you to be on my show to give people the real tips for how to launch a successful podcast. Well, that wraps up this episode. I hope you guys found that discussion interesting and useful. Uh, from somebody who's been doing this for 10 years, it's been a blast and I can't wait to keep on going out there and recording new stuff, including new shows. There are going to be some new shows coming out of How Stuff Works soon that will feature yours truly. And that's where I'm going to be doing a lot of audio engineering work, like I mentioned earlier, where I'll be editing stuff. In fact, I'll be recording a pilot episode of one of those this week, <laughs> the week that I am recording this. Wish me luck. And then after that, I get to edit it. So... I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, whether it's a technology, a person, a company, whatever it may be uh, related to tech stuff, let me know. Send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook. The handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 